Welcome back to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks, the podcast where we get down to the nitty gritty of what actually happens before, during, and after a cancer diagnosis. Hosted by me, Madison Pollock, and my co-host, Paige Gill. Today's guest is Chantal Firouz, a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma survivor and NLP transformation coach. Hello, Chantal. Welcome to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks. Hi. Yes, it does. (laughs) So excited to have you on. You're really in the thick of it, which I think is an interesting perspective, and I'm so happy that you're able to join. Um, yeah. How are you doing? You are. You were diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. When were you diagnosed? So I was diagnosed, I think it was like August, um, instead of years, I think of like the August of COVID. Um, so right, like exactly. Same. <laughs> Um, yeah. around that time. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, came out of nowhere, but I guess you never suspect it. So yeah. Right. Which is just wild in the midst of all of this totally. as well, the pandemic and everything, which yes. is crazy. Um, but you have one chemo left at the time that we're recording right now, which is really exciting. I do. How does it, how does it feel to be almost done? Cause I think that's a really interesting place to be. It's like exciting, but also confusing sometimes. It's really wild because they say that a lot of the side effects accumulate. So while you only Mm -hmm. have one cycle left and everyone's congratulating you and saying how incredible it is, I just keep wondering, okay, but is it going to be an easy last cycle or not? Because Mm -hmm. it doesn't really feel like the end until I can actually breathe a sigh of relief and say, okay, you know what? I'm actually done. Not going to the center anymore. Like throw my chemo bag out the door. Like just actually get rid of the whole thing. Um, But yes, I do have one left and it's crazy to think about because I remember number one and number two and three thinking, okay, you're halfway there and four and just every single time it felt like you're still in the thick of it. And now it's kind of like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, um, it's an unreal feeling. It's definitely, Mm -hmm. definitely surreal. Do you, are you done after chemo? Like you don't have to do radiation or anything? Yes, I am so thankful. So I did a PET scan after the fourth cycle, um, mm-hmm. and they said that there was nothing left. So oh, amazing! Precaution. I just have to complete the fifth and sixth cycles. So I think even knowing that helps a lot too. That there's no yeah. next step. It's like really one and done. Thank you. Right. Bye. <laughs> right. Yeah. Incredible. Okay. Well, take us back to like the beginning. How you kind of found out that you had it? What were the symptoms? All that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So I was living in Arizona at the time. I'm from Los Angeles. And when COVID hit, um, the gyms closed. I'm really into fitness. The gym is something I do every single day. And so the trainers started taking us outdoors. And as part of the outdoor workouts, we would run sprints, which I never, I'm Mm. not a runner. I don't run. I just lift weights and do my thing. Um, Mm. And I felt like a 400 pound person trying to run. Like it was just, I felt this chest pressure And I just kept telling myself, okay, I'm out of shape. I haven't been to the gym for a little Mm. bit. Um, It really didn't make sense, but I was just trying to make sense of something. And I remember the workouts just got really tough for me. I could still lift weights. I could still, you know, squat, do all those things. But running Mm. or anything that had to do with extending my chest out, certain motions were just really uncomfortable. And That's interesting that that, that, – that weightlifting too, didn't, you didn't feel it as much. And do you didn't feel any symptoms like just normal living, like not working out? No, it was the so only weird. thing that I felt was pressure in my chest. And finally I went, I didn't have a doctor out there. So I went to mm-hmm. urgent care and I told the doctor what I'd been experiencing, which was not too much, but I did the best I could. And mm-hmm. he essentially said, okay, well it's spring new things are blooming. You might have (laughs) asthma or you might have allergies. And I had never had either. So that just seemed like really far-fetched. And I got really irritated with the guy because he just kept rushing me. He was saying like, I have other patients here. You know, you have to make a decision. You might have asthma, in which case I'll give you an inhaler, or you might have allergies where I can give you steroids. And I was like, bro, are you serious? Like you want me to pick what treatment I right. have. I don't even know what <laughs> which me. drugs like, to take. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, and I was just very opposed to B 
being indefinitely on some kind of treatment plan for something that I wasn't even sure it was treating. So um, mm-hmm. he also did an, a chest x-ray and okay. he told me everything was fine. So I said, okay, oh. give me a prescription for the steroids. He said I would only need them for five days. It was prednisone. And mm-hmm. so I ended up taking them and everything was fine. It completely went away. And I totally thought, okay, that's really weird, but let's just say it's allergies. Mm-hmm. Um, he did call me a couple of days later and said, actually, we made a mistake on your chest x-ray. We see a really, really tiny shadow in the mediastinum, but it could just be mm-hmm. a shadow and we don't know what it is. Um, we recommend you do a, a CT scan. And I had already felt like I did a lot of radiation from the scan itself, from the x-ray. And because he was so unclear as to what my diagnosis should be, I was like, okay, yeah. this guy's crazy. Um, right. The symptom completely went away in five days. And so I said, okay, it must be allergies and and called it a day. But about a month later, I started getting a dry cough. And that mm. dry cough per- persisted for a really long time, for months. Um, yeah. I didn't know what the result was. I wasn't sure, are you normal sick? Do you have COVID? Is it really the allergies again? Like, Yeah, what it's confusing because it was during COVID too. It was insane. I just didn't know what to expect. But um, I I basically started relying on DayQuil and NyQuil because I found out Oh, did it help? It completely took away every symptom. Like I, I Oh, was weird. It must have like taken away the inflammation or something that was- Something. It just like opened up. I don't know, my throat, my lung, whatever it was, just felt like huh. it was totally cured. And so I said, okay, this is definitely not healthy, but it's working and I don't know what else yeah. it is. So let's just keep going. Um, and then finally just got to the point where I was relying on it way too much. It was months down the road and I had to see a pulmonologist. I was like, I need to go see a lung specialist. Something is wrong mm-hmm. with me. And it's really wild because it was during the pandemic, during COVID, but every pulmonologist I called in Scottsdale couldn't see me for another several months. They said the reason was oh my all of your centers are closed due to COVID, but I was thinking, shouldn't they all be open because everyone wants to get tested and figure out what's going on? Right. Um, so I just booked a ticket to LA and I said, okay, mm-hmm. well, I can find someone here in a week. And I went, I passed all of the pulmonology tests. They had me like breathe an inhaler and then do breathing tests and all these things, which was nice on one hand, like, oh, great, you passed. But on the other hand, it's like, if it's not your lungs, then what is it? And so the doctor prescribed a CAT scan, which turned into a PET scan and a biopsy. And then from like cough to cancer was like a month treat. It was just wild. But um that's pretty much how I found out. And then it took pathology about two weeks to get back to me and let me know exactly what kind it was. Um, Oh, like whether it was Hodgkin's or non-Hodgkin's? Did they know it was lymphoma? They said this is representative of Hodgkin's. They initially thought that's what I had. And it ended up being non-Hodgkin's, but it took a really long time. And when you know you have some kind of cancer and a mass in your chest, but you don't know what it is for that long, it's Yeah, that's scary. It's just – yeah, it was terrifying. And I was the, I'm the fit friend. I'm the healthy one. I'm, you know, right. the young one. so just all of me was so confused and just didn't know what to do. But long story short, I ended up staying in LA and I'm still here finishing mm-hmm. my treatment. Um, and then we'll just move back when that's over. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll go back to Arizona when mm-hmm. you're done. That's yeah. The plan. I had a similar, mine was like very similar in terms of the symptoms of like, chest pain when working out, coughing, like a dry cough. Because that can be anything. Like, yeah, really it could be anything. Any, I thought I pulled a muscle. Like it was, oh yeah, God. you would yeah. never think. Jeez, I hope we're so. not seeing people out there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the opposite of WebMD tells you like, don't look there because it might tell you that it's cancer. And yeah. Like, oh, it's nothing. And then, okay. Uh, yeah, I know. Wow. I mean, I feel like I knew something, you know, was wrong, but I just didn't want to face it but still I mean I would never think cancer but it's just yeah still no one let's put it that way yeah and how are you feeling like going back to Arizona and you know like how's that feeling for you because you're almost done it's been really such a blessing being home um yeah you have your family to take care of you and my little sister who's 10 
obviously lives at home. And so I get to spend a lot more time with her and reconnect mm-hmm. with a lot of friends who really came out of the woodworks to show their support and even Isn't strength. Isn't that amazing? It's yeah. honestly incredible. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely been a blessing being here, especially in the beginning when I had no idea how to approach this. Am I going to try to go alternative? Who's going to be my oncologist? What cancer mm-hmm. center is the best? Because Mayo Clinic in Arizona is fantastic and it's right next right. to where home used to be. Um, mm. But I also really miss having you know privacy and being at home and all of the friends that we made there. My fiance and I were only living there for about a year until this happened and we oh. had, half of that time was lockdown. So we mm. didn't really get to explore. I felt like I was really in an interim when this kind of landed on me. And it's so funny to think that I was <laughs> looking forward to summer and thinking, you know, know. <laughs> COVID and, you know, but um, looking back, I just think it's actually, if there was a time to go through this, it would be now when the whole world is kind of in this weird it's space true, yeah. and I'm not really missing out on that much. Yeah. It really is true that, yeah, that's a good point, but I'm sure it's so nice to like, I came home as well and it's just, there's no way I would have been able to do it without family. Totally. And I would feel bad to put everything on my fiance. And there were many times in the beginning that I couldn't really drive myself or the first, I mean, maybe we'll get to this later, but I had to actually go to the ER because I couldn't breathe anymore and my wasn't working. (laughs) And I thought I was just going to stop breathing at night. And that's what made them say, okay, you just need to start right now. So that's how I chose the hospital. Oh, yeah. Tell Um, what happened there. That's Sounds frightening. Yeah. It's, uh, so basically, I was home and I found out that I had cancer. And the mm-hmm. oncologist that we were initially meeting with said that this could impact your fertility. And I highly recommend you do fertility treatment. And so mm-hmm. you have to start on the first day of your period. And then it's like a three week process. So it kind of bought me like a month. Um, yeah. And when I say bought me, I mean bought me a month of not having to start chemo because I was terrified. Like that was the It's almost scarier to wait. Yeah. Oh my God. I was, I just didn't know how it affected me. I thought I would lose my hair right away. I just thought I would be throwing up for the next six months of my life. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I didn't know anything else. That's just the image of. Right. That's just what everyone. Yeah. Everyone Um, sees that on movies and in books and that's just what you expect. For many people, that is actually how it happens, but yeah. I didn't know another option. And so I thought, okay, that's my fate and that's it. Um, but I had to do the fertility treatment, which honestly was terrifying in and of itself. I hate needles. I hate anything when it comes to like touching my body or pain or anything. So oh, no. um, this whole thing was was quite the ride. But um, I had to do that and I felt crazy with all the hormone shots and it was mm. if I wasn't sleeping, I was crying and I just was terrified and I couldn't do them myself. So I made my fiance do it, but I put him through hell because I was scared. Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, what happened was the egg retrieval procedure was on a Thursday and mm-hmm. I was already sore from the biopsy, which was in my chest. So oh. th- it went from biopsy to healing a couple weeks the whole fertility procedure, then removing the eggs on a Thursday. And then that Mm. Saturday night, I went to sleep. I took my edible like I usually do. I took NyQuil, which also makes you pass out because I couldn't breathe that well. And I started coughing. And so I later found out there was a tumor in my chest. But what happened was every time I coughed, it would take up space and push on the tumor. The tumor would push back on my lungs and make me cough again. And so it would just be the cycle of me not being able to breathe. And so Mm -hmm. I finally went to the ER. I was like, dad, we have to go. Like, I'm really scared. What if I just like NyQuil is my last line of defense. Like if I just can't breathe anymore, like what do I do? And so that was the Saturday after the Thursday of the procedure. So I'm already feeling Mm. so beat up and um, they just – admitted me and it was a weekend. So I had to wait a couple of days until they could do the pick line and every mm. doctor had to come in and convince me that now is the time. But the following weekend was my brother's proposal party at our house. Oh. And I was like, there's no way you need to give me some kind of pill injection. Like I need to be okay for this proposal. I promise I'll like turn myself in right after. I really thought I was going yeah. to <laughs> turn myself in my life. Um, <laughs> And it was, yeah, it was, it was just terrifying, but I ended up doing my first round there at the hospital being monitored. Thank God I didn't have adverse side effects and let me do the remainder outpatient, which has been. Oh, okay. Um, 
because it's COVID, you just don't get that many visitors. I couldn't leave the floor. There was just so many restrictions. And Mm -hmm. um, besides the fact that I was already weak, tired, and terrified. (laughs) Right. So um, yeah. And then that's how it really got started. And I'm okay. I've continued, and now I just finished round five, and I have six. That's going to be the yeah. last one, and then we can finally just rest from this whole, you know, cascade of events. And were you able to celebrate your brother's proposal? I was. My hair didn't fall out yet. I didn't fall out that fast. I think it doesn't for anybody. Okay. I was just terrified. I was still yeah. too. Um, I gained seventeen pounds in the hospital in five days because of, I guess, all of the water weight and the hormones and stuff. I was so uncomfortable. I just, I was crying to my oncologist. I was like, listen, I have this party. Like, I just can't do this. Like, this is not for myself. Um, And thankfully, like, that just went away in basically like three days until the morning of the proposal day. Um, Okay. And it was just a lot of bathroom visits and a lot of Yeah, that is wild. Wow. Um, (laughs) But thankfully, like, it really, it just, it turned out. It turned out yeah. fine. Um, right. But when you're in the thick of it and you don't know what's going on and your doctors can't even tell you what to anticipate because everyone's body is completely different. Yeah. Um, you just feel completely alone, no matter how much support you have. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you just can't relate to anyone. Your mind is going a mile a minute of like all the things that could happen. Totally. But yeah, thank God it was it was so grateful. You know, yep. not as crazy as um I'm sure you were thinking. Cause I yeah. I, I remember going before my first one, I like talked to so many people that, you know, went through it, like young people. And I remember before my first one, I was thinking because this guy told me that he had an allergic reaction to one of the chemo drugs and like literally couldn't like stopped breathing from one of them. Oh. And then I was like going into it, like, are you fucking getting me? It's all I can think about. <laughs> I was, I remember talking to different people and my biggest fear at the time was, does it hurt to get your port put in? Cause they told me I would need a port. And mm. I was ter- just anything, just, I had already been like cut open with the biopsy and then the procedure for mm-hmm. people, please just like stop stabbing me <laughs> right um, yeah I know you get stabbed and prodded the whole time <laughs> all the time in the middle of the night when when you don't want when whatever it doesn't mm. really matter but they they, they laughed at me they're like that's the least of your worries and then I yeah. was shit like I'm I'm screwed yeah 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 the poor is actually fine I mean for me it was fine I they just so they scheduled me <laughs> the first round at the hospital. They didn't have the team to come do the port. So I had to do a pick line, which was fine. They pulled it out. Okay. They it felt completely free. It was a phenomenal moment. And mm. then I was scheduled the next week to go do my port before the next round of chemo, which would have mm. been outpatient. So I go into this small, um, what's it called? Like a surgical room. And the nurse is really sweet, but I'm freaking out. And at first they say they didn't book me for any Ativan. And I'm like, listen, nurse, like I'm <laughs> if you don't yeah. give me Ativan. Um, and she called the the doctor and finally they coordinated. I told her I had Ativan almost every single day when I was upstairs on floor five. Today I'm doing a procedure. <laughs> um, they finally got it for me. So then they walk me into this room. There is the tiniest little surgical bed. And when I say tiny, I mean like, I don't know, a 1500s like medical cot from the military. Like it was my, I'm five feet tall and like a hundred pounds and that cot like barely fit my body. And so (laughs) she's just like giving me warm blankets and I'm shivering and she's saying, oh no, are you still cold? I said, no, I'm terrified. Like my teeth were chattering. I was shaking. And so only the doctor comes in, the surgeon, and he says, hi, I'm Dr. Kim. I'm going to be your surgeon. Um, and I just say, okay, like, please just let me know and guide me through the process. I'm really scared. He says, okay, first we're going to have to strap your arm down. So they take this like metal arm and they fling it out to the side and they strap my arm in. Like, I felt like I was a crazy Oh my gosh. I was like, no, I probably- Why did they have to do that? that? Just because like he needs it to be still. And I was like, okay. I, I, I start begging. I'm like, I swear I just won't move, please. It was, oh my God. I just don't like any of these things. That's um, really scary. I don't, I don't remember terrifying. if that happened. Um, <laughs> And because the first time when they did the pick line, I was already in my hospital bed. And so mm-hmm. it was a little more comfortable and it wasn't a surgical. So it was fine. Um, really, at the end of the day, it was more so my fear of the needles. The lidocaine always burns, but you don't really feel the procedure. It was like I mostly felt bionic. I was like, why is there this thing inside of my arm? <laughs> yeah. Bump. And I 
I don't know. I didn't know how to relate to myself with like these devices and being poked and prodded. And I remember feeling just like kind of this lab rat, even though I was sure people knew what they were doing. But to me, mm-hmm. I guess I felt so out of control, like being strapped right. down to take this and that, um, that it was just like really scary. And I, I think that's what sometimes we forget as we keep going and it becomes routine is how scary the beginning was when you had no frame of reference and no real sense of, okay, I've got this and it's going to be okay or what it feels like or what your next step mm-hmm. is, you know, what they're going to tell you to do. And you're yeah, alone. you have no idea. It's, yeah. I just, I was really, really scared. Um, yeah. now I guess it's a funny story to share, but in that moment, holy hell, that was not cool. Not cool right. at all. No, it's really, yeah. It's so scary. I mean, you're just putting your trust in all these strangers and you have, 100%. like you said, like zero control over anything that's happening I'm to your body. Either. It's just, hey, this is what you're scheduled for. So yeah, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'm really curious. I want to talk about the working out because I know you've been working out throughout treatment and I'm just like curious about that whole cool. journey and all that. Okay. So um, when it actually started in the hospital in the first round. I told my fiance, I was like, babe, next time you come in, you bring my booty bands because I'm going insane. And so yeah. I did this video and I just filmed myself. Um, I think I did like 20 laps around the ward or whatever it's called mm-hmm. um, around the floor. And then I was just doing the booty bands because I couldn't do anything else. And I was just so sick of being so like stagnant, like just how right. long can you sit in a bed? Um, and I'm used to being pretty active. Aside from which, when you feel physically normal, of course, I'm going through chemo, right? But when nothing's negative is happening to you, um, mm-hmm. you you feel normal. You want to do your normal things. Like you're treated like a sick totally. person. You're fine. And it's just this weird cognitive dissonance, I guess. But so it started it is, the hospital. Yeah. Um, and then when I left, I really started getting back into the gym, but I was weak and my mm. legs and arms had atrophied. Like I just looked so skinny to myself and I just started going to the gym slowly, just doing movement. Like at first it was yeah. just walks and then it was like, okay, I'm going to do this program that I used to do, but I'm starting from zero. Whatever my weight is going to be, it's going to be. And for a lot of mm-hmm. time that was just five pound weights or taking five minute breaks between sets. Cause I just had to catch my breath or whatever it was. And yeah. right now I've hit some PRs, which has been phenomenal, but some I'm, you know, I don't have access to a barbell and a lot of things. It's still almost mm-hmm. a year anniversary of coronavirus and a lot of I know it's so crazy it's wild um but yeah I've still been doing my thing just because it gave me a sense of normalcy it wasn't really trying to change my body it was more like give me a sense of control like I can control me getting stronger I can control going five Mm -hmm. more minutes to walk every day and of course the body is so adaptable if there's one thing I've learned through this whole thing is like you will adapt no matter what situation you're put in um but it's just it, it's funny because so many people see it as this wildly motivational thing. And I just see it as me getting back to myself because I'm not suffering and pushing myself to do something. I'm really mm-hmm. doing it because I want to. And there are some days that I really want to Netflix and chill and just binge shows all day long. And I absolutely let myself do it. Yeah. Um, I hope no one listening to this is thinking that there's something wrong with them if they can't go to the gym. Absolutely not. It was just right. the one thing to give me some sanity. Also the one thing to get out of the house and go do outside Mm -hmm. because I was trapped indoors and in a hospital and in a home for so long. Um, Mm -hmm. So I guess if you can, I encourage you to do it. My oncologist also told me if you can work out, especially if you're used to it, I recommend you do it because funny enough, it's going to combat fatigue um, and prevent it. And I just figured, okay, well, if I can make my body strong, then I'm going to be on my way to preventing certain side effects and Mm-hmm. Again, I was just so fearful of like what would happen when my body's weak and just getting weaker. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've just continued. Like I I needed it. It was my sanity. It was like my yeah. little therapy time each day. Yeah. I felt the same way. I had to keep keep doing it. And I got into – that's when I kind of got into yoga too. And like I would just – I would not feel – to me. I need to get into it. It's really hard just trying to find a Zoom teacher because I, I miss the studio yeah. feel. But um, that's the issue. Yeah. yeah. I think it's wonderful for the mind and body, but I'm way less concerned with how I look these days, even though I'm lean, I'm fine. I have no problem, but it's mm-hmm. so funny because I 
before I entered this whole, what do you even call it? Journey treatment. I (laughs) Um, I was just so scared of how I would look. And now I'm falling out and I'm smaller than before. And just, it's very different in some ways. I don't recognize myself, but I think the biggest shift is the mindset shift and like Mm -hmm. how, how much more beautiful and powerful and all of those things I feel now when if you would have asked me a year ago, somebody in my position now, I would look down on, like I would not prefer to be that way. Um, mm-hmm. And today I think when so much is stripped of you and you're just left with you in your mind, you cultivate such a strong relationship with yourself. And that's, you know, going to stay with me even when the hair grows back and the muscles totally. come back, you know, all the right. external that we're usually so focused on. Maybe it's a blessing that that was my biggest worry at the time, but um, yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> things have shifted for sure. But it definitely puts things into perspective. And um, I think too, like, I don't know if you feel the same, but I'm so like, amazed by my body like so thankful for it that because for for me too like chemo wasn't as hard as I was assuming and you know a lot of people have it way worse but like I'm just like this body is amazing and it's not so much anymore about like do I look skinny in a bathing suit yeah like do I feel strong and you know I feel the exact same way the strength has definitely been something I'm more focused on and also Mm -hmm. I've been I've always been um, really attracted to Eastern medicine, Chinese medicine, alternative therapies, and especially now. And I'm really lucky that I had an oncologist who basically said, do whatever you need for your body to feel good and for you to live a healthy lifestyle as long as it doesn't interfere with chemo treatment. So acupuncture, totally okay. Herbs, totally okay. Um, Oh, that's awesome. Totally. It has been strengthening my body so much more and getting rid of a lot of side effects. And there's a lot of Mm -hmm. people who think that's basically batshit crazy. And a lot of oncologists who told me you're wasting your time and you're wasting your money. But I would go to my doctor and tell him, look, this is how I'm feeling. Um, there were a lot of side effects that started coming up with my gut or with inflammation, my mm-hmm. esophagus. And basically once the tumor is small enough, the chemo is not attacking the tumor, it's attacking you, but you have right. to continue with the treatment. And every time I went in, I actually went this morning and um, it's, it's wild. Like the next couple of days, my side effects are completely gone. And if that's going to help it's somebody amazing. a more balanced lifestyle, like why would you not? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So yeah. that's also helped to strengthen my body, but in a more internal way, as opposed to focusing on the outward appearance. And so I just right. feel a really strong mind, body, soul, like all of it, but it took this journey for me to really dive into all of that stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I love that your doctor's supportive of it too. Cause you're right. Like I wanted to take supplements or something. Um, and I asked my doctor and he was like, just don't take any of it. Just, we don't know more fear of how it would interfere with treatment. Yeah, and things like that. exactly. He was like, there's no, like, he was like, he's very like scientific based, which I think, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of oncologists are, but he was like, yeah. um, you know, there's no studies around like how that affects, and it was just like biotin and magnesium, but he's like, there's right. no studies of how that affects with the chemo drugs. Like just don't take anything until you're done. I think um, there are no studies and maybe there is something to say better safe than sorry. But I, what I realized was there are no studies because in Western medicine, there's a lot of money to back scientific studies and yeah. with Eastern medicine, it's, it's not so much, but I'm really happy to, to learn through this whole experience, like how many more people are approaching that, not just, <clears throat> sorry, not just cancer patients, but anybody who really just wants to live, I guess, better quality life, whether, whether it's yeah. mind or feeling physically strong or um, physically balanced. From what I understand, mm-hmm. the acupuncture won't interfere with any anything whatsoever. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine. It's more of like an energetic thing. Yeah. When you can feel so fatigued or angsty or so many different feelings – when you can go there and reset, especially like I just take a nap. I just pass out for an hour. Um, Sounds amazing. <laughs> meditation, and so I started thinking like that and I would just get all of these ideas um, mm-hmm. in terms of my career and how to coach others and how to support my friends. And it just became this like, just this really cool experience, even more so than I expected from, okay, go get acupuncture and leave. Um, right. So now it's kind of a lifestyle and it's really funny I love that. so much online and everyone's really, I guess, fascinated by it. Once they see it working for somebody, they go explore it. Um, yeah. 
And I think it's wonderful because when I left the hospital, I was equipped with all these kinds of drugs and meds that I could take if I was feeling any type of way, but each one of them has their own side effect. And so I felt like I was constantly on the loop of like, okay, there's chemo and chemo constipates you to so take Zofran, but then Zofran makes you even more constipated. So take a diuretic and then the diuretic. And it's like, when do you end? Like, how does it exactly? So, um, I just felt like that was a beautiful alternative. And for me, it totally worked in at least. That's amazing. Yeah. Fighting off the side effects, which you're going through side effects. That's all you can focus on. So to get that just, you know, settled is a blessing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. Did you, did it help with constipation? Um, it did help with constipation. I remember telling her like, listen, it's just awful. And sometimes I even had constipation yeah. diarrhea at the same time. I was like, this is just not, I cannot do this. Um, yeah. so it did help. Um, also what, oh, that's so me, good to know. It really helped me also, for everyone listening though. I just need to say, because I've been on all these forums and stuff and everyone's recommending all these types of meds. If that works for you, phenomenal. But there's this thing that I've been using ever since I was younger um, for constipation mm. and especially during chemo that works wonders. And it's called triphala and it's um, an oh. Indian like goji berry or gooseberry. It's some kind of berry that just grows naturally in India. And they I'm inter- writing it down so I can share with people because yeah. literally like I couldn't go to the bathroom for like two weeks. Like it's, I was in so much pain. My last day at the hospital, I thought I was giving birth. I was crying and they didn't have <laughs> exactly. Tylenol on my approved medication. I was like, <laughs> you hoes, you're giving me chemo. Like give me a pain reliever. Yeah. Um, I was also getting my period for the first time after fertility treatment. So the cramps sucked mm. and I was the amount of nurses that came to check my blood pressure and I was like dying on the bathroom was a joke. I mean, now I can joke about it, but I thought, I thought I was going to die. It was was not cute. So (laughs) anyway, Tripala, it's T-R-I-P-H-A-L-A. And I just buy it at Whole Foods, but you can probably get it at Sprouts or, you know, a health food store. Um, It doesn't make you go. It's like, it's not a diuretic at all. It's just like the next day or that night, just normally you go. And it was a fucking blessing. And wow. so for rounds two and three, I took it preventatively. I took it in the morning of my chemo and then it just didn't happen. But the acupuncture totally helped. Um, and what's been happening more recently, I guess there's no TMI on this podcast, huh? Um, nope. <laughs> we get into all of it. So what happened more recently is just I had such bad diarrhea and it was like, I didn't even care about going to the bathroom frequently. It was just such bad stomach cramps. And for the past yeah. three days, I was waking up about four times a night to go to the bathroom. So I felt oh my God. I was exhausted. I was cranky. Anything that happened, I wanted to cry like during the day because I was so on edge. Right. And I went today and I was like, listen, Angie, <laughs> you <laughs> help me because I'm even scared of sitting on this acupuncture table and like, I'll have to just run and leave with like all right. this. <laughs> and, um, it, I mean, so far so good. I feel completely normal. And that was this morning. Wow. There's that, but I also do recognize that the few days after the cycle ends are usually Mm -hmm. when the side effects catch up the most, at least for me and my body. And this would be four days after my cycle ended. So I know it's already disappeared. Um, but just having that strength again, um, acupuncture, the balance helps a lot. And what I found was, um, my esophagus is inflamed and my mm. gut is a little bit off right now because mm-hmm. the tumor is gone. And so the chemo is just starting to work on my gut and the insides and everything. So it kind of feels yeah. like heartburn. It's not really nausea, um, but regular meds just don't help. And I think actually the um, the chemicals of them or something can just irritate me more. So uh-huh. yeah, I've just been sticking my acupuncture. And one thing that she shared with me that I really loved mm-hmm. um is so in Chinese medicine, they have like cooling foods, heating foods, a lot of these like properties. And she was basically saying, stop eating spicy foods, stop eating really um, hard Mm -hmm. to digest, like red meat, things like that, because that could be causing more of a problem for you. Um, Instead, have some cooling foods. Like you can really, you can Google this, but um, cucumber, pineapple, whatever it may be, aloe vera. Right. Um, and that helps so much because sometimes we just get in a routine of what feels normal to me. Like, what do I eat on a daily basis? And for me, it's mm-hmm. like spicy food, coffee. I didn't even think that it was making my situation worse. Um, yeah. it's, so it's just nice to have like 
if I could eat a cucumber as opposed to take a pill, like right, I totally there for me. Um, so it's just really nice to have also her guidance and her recommendations when I'm feeling some type yeah. of way and I don't know who to ask because to be honest, there's many times I would ask my oncologist, I would text him and say, Hey, I'm feeling this and this and this, and these are my side effects. And he would just tell me that's not a normal side effect to chemo. When in fact, it's like just the Western world doesn't necessarily know how to respond to mm-hmm. that. When that happens. Um, right. So anyway, that was a godsend. I swear by Trifola and I hope everyone here goes and buys a bottle. It's not. Expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go buy a bottle. <laughs> yeah. Just in case. I also want your, I'm in LA too. So like, can I get your acupuncturist? Oh, 100%. Actually, <laughs> okay, amazing. who is in the LA area, um, cause I've gotten many questions like this. I go to this yeah. place called the Tao of wellness. It's spelled oh. D-A-O. Um, D-A-O. So like of wellness and uh-huh. it's, my doctor is Dr. Mao. He has a brother and I think it's Dr. Dow or it's something that's exactly the same. Um, okay. We have a huge clinic in Santa Monica and they are phenomenal. They've been practicing this. I think it's 34 or so generations of wow. and acupuncture and wow, they just, they're a wealth. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm like going to actually call them tomorrow. Um, so Dr. Mao, the one that I see, he actually deals with a lot of cancer patients and he knows a lot Mm. about the body and balancing and and Chinese herbs and things like that. And his brother, um, deals a lot with fertility. And so, you know, experiencing neither of those and go, um, but it's just nice to know, especially for someone in my position, that there's someone who's a specialist, who's also very open to connect mm-hmm. people with your oncologist and doing some collaborative work to make sure that, you know, nothing is, nothing is really interfering with your treatment and you're just getting supplemental support. So, um, right. yeah, Dow of wellness, it's huge. The receptionists are angels. They have their own little pharmacy inside with these little ladies, like crushing up herbs and encapsulating them. And it's just, I love it. So just homey and nice. So yeah, absolutely. I love that. Amazing. Wow. Okay. I'm very excited. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. The food thing is, I mean, as you know, I'm very passionate about that. It's like such a huge, I'm um, sure more about this totally. Yeah. It's so interesting. Cause I actually, now that you said that, like, maybe that's what I was experiencing. I was having heartburn. It was really weird. Like after treatment and kind of during, mm-hmm. and it was freaking me out cause I had chest pain too when I was first diagnosed. So I was like, but it didn't, yeah, I've that. had heartburn before. Like it didn't yeah. feel like, yeah. So I was freaking, I mean, I was freaking out about like anything, but yeah. (laughs) Um, But that's interesting because it it really did feel like a type of heartburn. And then once I started eating clean, like a few months, because I would get it on and off. And then once Mm -hmm. I started eating pretty clean, it went away. And maybe it was like the cooler foods just naturally that was coming into play. You know what I mean? Like I totally could be. Yeah. Um, Were you, did you have any weird cravings or were you just eating less healthy because you're trying uh, to down whatever you could how would how yeah no I just ate I, I didn't like I didn't start the nutrition stuff until three four months after I was done with treatment mm-hmm. so I didn't even I wasn't even in the, into that um at the time but no I just ate toast like literally <laughs> that was it toast and frozen like, that's it you yeah <laughs> and Cheetos. Wow. I was craving Cheetos so bad. Um, just did you, do you like them? I know. Well, the steroids too. Did you have to get steroids? Dude, like prednisone is a, oh my God. like, yeah. The worst. That, so that steroid that the, um, kind of idiot urgent care doctor. Gave yeah. Me, <laughs> so on one hand, I was really happy to know that at least something works. Like I know it's going to work. Um, yeah. but on the other hand, I was the, the first or second day that I was in the hospital taking the prednisone, mm-hmm. I kid you not, I think I had breakfast from like the normal breakfast, I think like mm-hmm. scrambled eggs or pancakes or something. And then the lady, okay, so I discovered that there is like a secret menu that you can pay to get oh, like, food or something. At the hospital? Yes. <laughs> Amazing. And I was so bored and I was like, okay. So <laughs> I don't know what I got for breakfast, but I think it was like a nut, like pancakes, something, something great. And yeah. then- the lady came in and said, can I take your order for lunch? And I said, okay, sure. I'll get a Cobb, um, Cobb sandwich. And mm-hmm. it was like this massive stacked thing. <laughs> the whole thing. Then they came in for like a late night or sorry, an afternoon something. And I got mm-hmm. all the fruit soup, a bunch of things. And then at night I just ate everything. And then my friend decided to go to Gyukaku and get um, Japanese barbecue and bring it to the hospital as my guest for the day. And so oh, we wow. just 
and that it was disgusting like I when I tell you that I gained 17 pounds there it was a lot of water weight but it was also just like Chantal how can you eat this much like <laughs> that stuff it's the steroids crazy. it's crazy yeah but it's only like I'm on it for five days at a time so I just didn't expect right I, I think I found a hack though I don't know if I I'm supposed to manipulate the hours that I take it or if it matters. They say just take yeah. it on the stomach. But I noticed that if I take it after lunch instead of after mm-hmm. breakfast, I don't get cravings. And I don't oh, know. Oh, that's interesting. Work, but I'm just very happy. I discovered a little. Yeah, <laughs> that's really interesting. Because feeling like you're just grabbing anything. Yeah, like, just starving. is wild. And especially yeah. now I've been taking edibles to be able to sleep or to get rid of any nausea I've been feeling. And mm. so I'm already just eating like a whale on a daily basis. But then when the prep yeah. it's like just you lose control. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's so, it's so crazy. Like ravenous. I couldn't stop eating, but all I wanted was bread. Like I didn't want anything else. <laughs> I, I lived off of, I think, bread, rice, burgers, and like yeah, I am not a fast food person. Okay, but I was mm-hmm. just finding myself in every drive-through possible. <laughs> uh, I think also for a sense of like, fuck it, I can, and I'm just gonna totally, do it. totally, yeah. yeah. In the beginning, like fruits and veggies, I was repulsed by them, and I really yeah. loved them. It was just weird. I think my body was just there was so much going on, and it just went mm-hmm. a little bit haywire. Um, now I'm way better and I enjoy the foods that I used to, but the one, mm-hmm. I don't know if you got any aversions, but I, yeah, I am like a sushi whore and I could yeah. eat all day long breakfast, lunch, and like, I'm fine. But mm-hmm. for the past like month, I've not yeah. desired sushi whatsoever. And it's a little bit of an identity crisis oh. for any out there. Like, Interesting. Yeah. Hey, so weird. Well, are you, cause can you eat sushi? Cause I wasn't allowed to eat sushi during it. Are okay, you, can you? tracks my white and blood count and when they yeah. are back to normal and I'm you know feeling better he will text me <laughs> that I can have sushi oh sushi. nice um I don't know if everyone would be inclined to say the same thing because he also he also said that when his wife was pregnant they would get sushi but only if she went to Nobu and made sure it was like quality or something so <laughs> not quite sure how that yeah. works, but I do appreciate that he he cares that his patients have a normal life because That's really I, nice. I think that feeling restricted. Okay. A lot of people go into this cancer journey and myself, I was talking to nutritionists and other people who were extremely strict. You have to be vegan, only eat vegetables, only eat raw mm-hmm. food, There's all this restriction. And when you are in such an uncomfortable place, sometimes reaching for comfort, which is food is like the only thing that keeps you 100%. safe. 100%. Um, yeah. And I think that having a diet mentality when you're also it, it just no. it was not healthy for me to feel that. No, I agree. So yeah, I agree. I let myself do what I wanted. And you know what? My mental, I was fine. Mentally, I was fine. And I really do feel like that contributed to me physically feeling pretty okay. Like other mm-hmm. than fear, physically, I've gone pretty unscathed compared to what it could be. And so yeah. I'm so grateful. But I think if I was beating myself up, like, why didn't you eat a salad? Why did you have to- like totally things? Like I would go crazy. I would lose it. Yeah, I agree. Just eat what you want to eat like during it. <laughs> like I didn't think about it. I could care less. Like a bag of chips. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Exactly. Who cares? You're going through chemo. The bag of chips won't kill you. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You already have poison in your body. Yeah. Just clean it out afterwards, but do whatever you got to do. Yeah. Like add an apple in. Just, just throw it Yeah, exactly. And then you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. I also want to make sure we talk about like your coaching because I'm really curious about that. Um, And NLP, I have it written down next to me. So I just, you're going to be an NLP coach or you are an NLP coach. I don't know why I can't say it, but explain to us like what that is, kind of how it works. Sure. Um, Yeah. So yes, I'm getting certified right now to be an NLP coach. I come from the social media marketing world. I was an Instagram strategist and manager for a really long time and specifically for healers and doctors. And I got really the thick of their work. Like I love transformation in terms of when I do this work, the doctor gets more booked, they get more, sorry, they get more clients, but then Mm -hmm. also the client basically gets to find a doctor that really gets to support them with what they need. I was basically putting mm-hmm. the two together and, and helping both of them. And 
Um, after a while, I just felt like, okay, the transformation is really digital. I feel behind the scenes. I'm looking for a little bit more. And so mm. the more really came when I was exploring for my own healing, different modalities. And so I learned about NLP, which I'll go into in a second. And I have been seeing a hypnotherapist, which has been phenomenal. Oh, wow. Okay. It's, it's so, so wonderful. And so mm-hmm. essentially what both of them do is they focus on the subconscious because we all, you know, between the ages of, I think it's like one to nine, your conscious mind isn't fully developed and you are a sponge. And so we like to make meanings out of everything. So, mm-hmm. you know, one person could have told you one thing and you had that mean that you're not worthy. And for the rest of your life, you're doing behaviors like going to the gym and eating healthy and working on your career and all these things, but you keep finding yourself, you're self-sabotaging yourself. You're wondering why the hell is this pattern showing up? And that's Mm -hmm. because in your subconscious, you keep thinking to yourself that you're unworthy. You're unworthy of the success. Mm -hmm. You're unworthy of having this body. And so our behaviors are actually, well, our, our consistent behaviors, like you can, you can Mm -hmm. go on a diet for a month and have results, but then, you know, maybe crash after that and wonder what is wrong with me. Um, and so I got really into that and I wanted to figure out for myself, like why basically alternative, alternative reasons for why did I get this kind of cancer? How did this manifest as a tumor in my chest? Um, and so really the link between the mind and the body and, um, our behaviors and and all of that stuff was really fascinating to me. And Mm -hmm. so I'll go into the NLP for a second, but what I would love to share is, um, this, type of cancer specifically, it's not genetic. They don't know why it happens. They only know that there's a really high success rate with the chemo protocol, um, which is typically either um, RCHOP or REPOC. And I'm doing REPOC. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm the healthy one. I'm young. Like, why is this happening? I really don't understand. And so I watched the documentary Heal on Netflix because Mm. everyone recommended it to me. And it's fascinating. I highly recommend it. It's just, yeah, I need to watch it. Like Just watch it. It's really great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And they go through a lot of alternative therapies and there's a couple of characters. They basically follow several characters through their journey and diagnose. Mm. Some of them were doing chemotherapy, some NLP. Um, They talk about medical medium or Joe Dispenza. And so I just kept like going down this rabbit hole of like, okay, what, what does this mean? And Mm -hmm. so what I found is at least in Eastern medicine or when you talk about energy, um, there is like an illness that correlates, or how do I say, like a body part that correlates to a certain weakness. So mm. in other words, when you store anger and fear, they get stored in the chest. When you don't communicate or express yourself, they say that it correlates with your throat. So a lot of people develop thyroid issues. Um, mm. and I was like, okay, this is, this is crazy. This is wild. But if I have been rejecting myself for so long and treating myself like a victim or relating to myself as being unworthy. And this essentially the anger and the shame and the guilt and the fear and all of this stuff manifested. Mm-hmm. I have to undo, like, how do I work backwards? And so right. I started seeing the hypnotherapist. I got clear on some limiting beliefs that were holding me back and just energetically, I was releasing a lot. And I was also very public about my diagnosis and the whole process and um, treatment and everything. And yeah. I told myself if I've been bottling in so much, then if I am going to express and release all of this, it has to help. Even if it's just going to make me mentally feel okay, um, mm-hmm. it's going to do something. And right. obviously I can't sit here and pinpoint and say, okay, it's because of this, that this happened because we're not talking about real tangible scientifically, you know, plus I'm one case study, but, yeah. um, I do think there's a lot of truth to it. And so I started I started feeling like I need to be a part of other people's transformations. I need to help show mm-hmm. them that how powerful they are, how powerful the mind is, how you can literally walk into a session with a limiting belief and walk out having reprogrammed that and feeling like a completely different person who's now acting differently and therefore getting different results in their life. And mm-hmm. So, so going back to the NLP, so it's neurolinguistic programming and it's basically using the language of the mind to discover 
every aspect of how you're currently creating the results in life and then changing those beliefs and then the behaviors and the emotional stories and strategies required to achieving the goals that you actually want. And Mm -hmm. if you just think about it, neuro is the mind and linguistics is language. Um, And so I'm just fascinated by the whole thing. And so what I'm doing now- I've been taking one-on-one clients and just kind of guiding them. So as I learn and I go through the modules, I'm really practicing and helping people step into their confidence, become more um, just self-expressed, like stop holding things back. Because what happens when we don't share and express is we start judging ourselves and thinking of all the things that could go wrong. And we trap ourselves in that fear instead Mm -hmm. of let me step up. Let me try this thing. I either grow or I learn. And either way, it's going to benefit me in some way. Um, Mm -hmm. And so for me and my, uh, from the client perspective of NLP and hypnotherapy, um, I just, I felt like a victim. I felt like since I moved schools in second grade, I was always the outsider. I was short. Later in life, I was chubby. I just felt different. And as much as I told myself, I want friends, I want friends, I want friends, every time an opportunity presented itself, I thought I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough to hang with them. I'm not this and that. And so I was self-sabotaging myself and distancing myself, further feeling like, not only do other people reject me, but I reject me. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. And yeah. once you kind of get clear on those beliefs that are holding you back and you realize where they stemmed from, which is like mm-hmm. the second grade friend told me in passing, like, you know what I mean? Just right. So, right. Like, it's little T trauma. What we call little T trauma. Like it traumatized yeah. you at a young age, but it's not, you know, God forbid those big things that we talk about. And so yeah, I was just thinking, this is wild. I, I need, like, this is going to be part of my healing for sure. And I think it's going to be part of so many other people's healing. And yeah. I've, I've been able to help them and I've been able to That's amazing. myself. And I'm like, you are not the powerless, scared, small, like I no longer identify with that feeling, even mm-hmm. if it was only less than six months ago that I was literally mm-hmm. self-sabotaging myself left, right, and center. And I think- the beautiful thing is you don't really need, you know, if you don't have access to a coach or a hypnotherapist or you don't have the funds or something, um, something that you can just walk yourself through is journal. So get really clear on who do you want to be? What is the goal that you want to achieve? And who is the kind of person that makes that happen? What does their life look like? How do they talk to themselves? What does their morning routine look like? Let's say you want to be a 10 figure a month earner or sorry, 10 K a month earner or 10 figure, whatever. (laughs) I'd love to be a 10 figure a month. (laughs) Um, What does that look like? And what do you think that person, how do they show up for themselves? How do they lead Mm -hmm. others? How do they walk through, um, you know, every given day and every challenge? Get really clear. When you're clear on that and when you're kind of having that in your, it's like developing a self-awareness, you start getting really clear on all of your limiting beliefs because when you start approaching something, you start doing it, your brain will tell you, oh no, I can't. Oh no, I'm not mm-hmm. good at that. And then you get really, really clear on, oh, those are the precise reasons that I've not been able to get here until that point. And then right. you can really say, okay, now I'm very clear on my patterns and clear on my limiting beliefs and what's holding me back. How do I shift it? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's been hypnotherapy is huge. A lot of subconscious mm-hmm. work, a lot of journaling, because even if you can't speak out loud to somebody and hear out loud how you think, you get to see on paper and you also get to release a lot of, um, I don't want to be too specific because maybe it's just what helped me, but you get to release a lot on paper. I felt like putting words on paper cleared space in my mind to stop overthinking and stop limiting myself. And um, when you realize that you're the one that gets in your way, (laughs) it can Mm -hmm. be hard at first, but on the flip side of that, you also have unlimited power to change that, to flip the script, to be whatever it, right. you know, you put yourself in this position, you can also get yourself out. And so yeah. just, you know, helping people grow their social media account and like getting clientele was one thing, but helping them actually fall in love with themselves and their life and build wild confidence is just something else. And I never thought it was possible or I thought it was only possible if you put a shit ton of hours and a shit ton of effort into it, Mm -hmm. um, 
but typically what happens with me when I walk into my hypnotherapy session, we talk a little bit, we get clear, okay, what do you want to work through today? I let her know and we go through the process. And when I walk out of there that next week, I'm just telling myself, whoa, I would have never done this before. Like I'm seeing these different results. I'm eating healthfully without trying to punish my way through. I'm Mm -hmm. showing up on stories and announcing coaching things when prior I thought, you know, I'm not good enough and I can't do this and I don't have enough experience and I'm putting myself down. And so I just think for this whole transformation to happen at the same time as my chemo journey, it, it actually seems like once you hit rock bottom or you feel like you hit rock bottom, it's like, okay, now I've planted the seed and everything is just going to bloom from here. And that's when people get their Mm -hmm. ideas and their new pivot and their career change. And they say, you know, fuck this man, I'm going after what I really want. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a blessing in disguise. And I Mm -hmm. think don't really appreciate it until you're in the thick of it. And you can look back and say, wow, look what I did. Um, Yeah. And it's, it's, it's great. I don't have words. It's like, we're not taught this. I really wish that in middle school, elementary school, this was just a thing. Like realize how powerful you are. Stop being at the beck and call of the mean girl and the whatever. It's like, why did I allow right. myself to go there for so long? Um, but I've also really learned that it's, it's those moments when you get to share those stories and your transformation that you help so many other people because yeah. having an easy untouched life is great, but you don't develop any kind of I had an external toughness, but I didn't have this internal toughness. And so mm-hmm. now I called my blog um, Unfuckable With because I really feel like I love that. no matter what life throws at me, like, you know, cut me open, take my eggs, do the chemo, yeah. betrayed me in the middle, take my hair, like all of these things. And right. I'm still standing and it's like, oh, shit, like literally nothing can fuck with me at this point. When you reach right. this point. Totally. Nothing, exactly. Nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's just what I really want to help people, people get to is that like you don't yeah. need that tip or that what like when you feel solid with yourself, do you know how many brands and businesses would go under because their marketing has failed because you don't feel like less than that you need their products and services? It's like, mm-hmm. I want you to feel like the top of the top that you can. So um, long story short, yeah, that's- I love it. Move right now. Um, I love and- that. And you can tell like how passionate you are and like I you're going to help so many I- people because, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so important. Cool. The limiting the limiting beliefs. I was telling you before, like how I had a business coach at the start of COVID was when I started like all the health coaching and like, you know, actually starting to get it going and- Uh, this podcast. And I was so scared. Like even after cancer and everything, I was still scared to like post an Instagram story of myself talking. Like who cares? (laughs) Was it, was it because you were new to being coach to the coaching world or was it more of a physical, like, I don't know if you like lost all your hair and did more of that scared to show up or was it like the internal? No, it was, it was mental for sure. I was like scared that people were going to judge me or that, you know, I needed to like learn more before I can coach. And you know what I mean? Like just all of these thoughts of really just making excuses because I was scared of yeah. doing it. I still get those actually a lot, but I know how to yeah. do them. And I can just say, thank you, thought. You can leave now. Yeah. We don't need you here. Yeah. Like, and so it's just such a nice way to, I guess, relate to yourself. In the beginning, I was like, bro, mm-hmm. I'm bipolar. Like I'm talking to my own mind and I'm, this is yeah. like, <laughs> um, and now I just feel like, it's such a blessing to be able to walk myself through. And for anyone who's who's maybe still feeling stuck in imposter syndrome, perfectionism, or whatever that may be, just realize mm-hmm. that we are all walking wounded inner children. Like, please speak to yourself, speak to your mom, speak to the girl who told you off or the guy who flipped you off in the car. We are mm-hmm. all wounded inner children. When you are healed, you don't act that way. And the same goes for myself. Like, the only reason that I was nasty to other people is because I was so fucking insecure and I couldn't even see it. So mm-hmm. I think just any step you take to cultivating self-awareness and improve yourself, you just, when you heal yourself, you get to heal others. And when you stand in your own power, like other people are just inspired and maybe triggered, but you can also help walk them through that by just being yeah. consistent and doing, doing your shit. And I mean, look where you are now. Like you have a podcast, you have social, you have all of these things. And um, it's wild to think what we stop ourselves from achieving just because the second yeah. Told us that you know it is I mean? <laughs> totally. Uh, 
It is. Well, that's amazing. I'm, I'm so excited for you and to keep following you. And if people want to reach you, reach out to you, contact you, follow you, where yeah, can they find you? you? So I am most active on Instagram. My handle is Chantal Firuz. I'm sure you'll just link the spelling in, in the bio um, or yeah. description. And I was just I was just telling you about the new Clubhouse app. And so I'm on Clubhouse mm-hmm. too with the same handle, Chantal okay. Firuz. Um, you guys can really find that anywhere in the app store. Um, actually, no, as of right now, it is only available for iPhones, but they should be rolling out okay. to Android. Um, so yeah, basically on those two platforms, come stalk me. Awesome. That would be awesome. Yay. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Chantal. This was amazing. I'm so happy you could join. This has been bomb. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you. Keep in touch. Can't wait to see everything and how everything progresses. And um, and I'm going to text you actually for your acupuncturist's number. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks, the podcast that tells the truth about what people with cancer actually go through. Each week, myself, Paige Gill, and my co-host, Madison Pollock, sit down with fellow cancer survivors to tell our stories. Keep up to date with our guests and new episodes on our Facebook and Instagram pages, Cancer Actually Sucks Podcast, and tune in every Monday to hear our stories. 